right, welcome to the Steve-O and Goody podcast. We just want to take an opportunity this real quick to welcome you. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the trials and tribulations of a couple of... Particularly good-looking hunters. Traipsing <laughs> <laughs> around the Australian bush. Too young, very good-looking, and tall. Yeah, tall. <laughs> and freakishly tall. <laughs> Americans who are trapped in down and down. And uh, our experiences living over here and hunting here and elsewhere around the world. We're going to get on with that today, so stay tuned. It's the Steve-O and Goody Show, live from... Well, we're not really live. We're not even close to live. In fact, by the time you're hearing this, we may even be dead. (laughs) We've actually had a few uh, listeners write in. Mm. And like we've said before, a lot of them are specifically asking, like, who are you guys? And and three of them actually said, "Hey, you kind of talked a little bit about your goat hunt in the first first mm-hmm. um, podcast, but what you didn't talk about was the stock and the kills." And okay, so let's so go through that, Steve. So Sorry, I yeah. Might just, I might just bring that up just really quickly, just. Because, and I meant to ask you about that because that's really what people, I guess, yeah. want to hear about that are hunters. They want to hear about you know what you did. If, you did get the whole story, the long version that has. That doesn't have this in it. Go back to the first podcast mm-hmm. and have a listen. I'll give you the idea, um, just because I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that today. So you're up at the you're up at a mountain range. Yeah, we're up yeah. a large mountain range. Yeah. Well, yeah. this particular well, this particular one we were at the Flinders Ranges on this hunt. Um, For our American friends, that's in South Australia, the yeah. state of South Australia. In South Australia, and we were, you know, uh, probably probably forty five minutes to an hour from Port Augusta. In okay. that, that region of the Flinders Ranges to give you an idea of the area. So we're in the Flinders Ranges and a buddy of mine and I, we went up to the top of this escarpment mm-hmm. and we're up at the top. There's um, these black scrub bushes up there and it's basically all shale rock as far as the eye can see with an occasional gum tree or mm-hmm. or a black scrub tree kind Very of tough scattered to hunt. Very around. Hunt to walk. Very hard to walk on. Hard to walk on, hard to hunt on, really hard to be quiet on. Um, so I climbed up the top because I, I felt that there was an intersection up there mm-hmm. and, and I was right. And so we went up there and there was this giant boulder, um, and I'm standing next to it and I can't really see anything, but my buddy's six, five. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who haven't tuned You're in You're the opposite of that. <laughs> I am. I'm actually shorter than the opposite of that. I am shorter than the opposite yeah. of that. So, um, so he's like, Hey, they're coming in. There's goats coming in. And so I'm like, I'm facing the wrong direction. I'm waiting for them to come up the other way that I thought they were gonna come. And they came across a different mm-hmm. side this time. And so I turn around and he goes, there's two of them. There's three of them. And so I turn around and I say, okay. I whisper and I said, hey, you take, you take the one on the left because you're on the left, I'll take mm-hmm. the one on the right. And so we're kind of getting ready and they come through and I said, on three. And he brought his left elbow up. Mm-hmm. Right as the goat looked, saw it. Gone. 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 Now, for our American friends um, who haven't hunted feral goat, they have elements of domestic goats in terms of they do some dumb things. But one of the things that I've found over the years of hunting them is they've got incredible eyesight. I I don't know how it compares to deer. I'm not a biologist, but I I would reckon they've got to be competitive with deer in terms of alertness and being able to see this movement and be really alert I would say maybe even better. Okay. I'll defer to you on that one. What I find is I've seen goat at 300 meters see movement, even if it's, 
you know, not significant or dramatic movement, and they'll stop and they'll look at you. And and the, and the the urban legend or the wives' tale is black nannies are the worst. But I'll yeah. leave that. I'll leave I, that. I, the white white tail tend to be more skittish than the goats, mm. but the goats see you coming a bit farther, yeah. and they just won't come near you. Yeah, they they're more they're more cunning in a way. They've got a shrewdness about them that you look at them as they're kind of goofy farm animals, but, but they're actually pretty savvy. More savvy than you give them credit for usually. Yeah. So anyway, go on. So anyway, so we're we're sitting there and they went past us and I, I creep around. I look around the side of this boulder and I look over and they're kind of coming across the side of this large shale hill, um, which is pretty steep. And so I see these lines coming and I'm like, well, we got a little time. And I was just about to say before we saw the first ones, hey, I think we need to move back over further into that scrub because it feels like we're too open here. And so that's what happened. We were too open. They saw us. They were gone. gone. I said, so I pointed down toward the um, black scrub that was just around Mm -hmm. to the right. And I went off to the one down on the left. And then they just started coming in. Mm -hmm. And there must have been close to a thousand coming through that area. Not all of them were within bow range, mm-hmm. um, but they were coming in, and they were coming in quickly enough that you weren't you weren't gonna try and get closer to anybody. Yeah, you yeah. just just stay where you stay are. Stay where you are, yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, you're gonna screw up the whole day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So we got in there, and I'm standing off to the side, and my buddy's standing off to another side, and they're kind of walking past him, but they're just out of his range. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit farther over a bit up toward where they're actually walking and I'm standing kind of behind this bigger scrub tree and I've got some scrub bushes behind me and I'm pretty well blended in with my camera. They don't see me coming in. Mm-hmm. And so these ring of line of goats comes through and Thwacka. yeah, I just, I'm like, well, let's see how this goes. And so I just come to full draw and it must've been 12, 15 meters oh, away. Wow. Nice. Nice and close. Where'd you hit him? Oh, probably. I, Double long heart. I didn't. I didn't cut every single one of them. Open no, but say, roughly, hey, but in the right spot. Like right your heart, 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 lung shot. Nice finals. Yeah. All of my shots were heart, lung shots. Beautiful. Um, they were all nice, clean kills. So no quartering away is or. Oh, there might have been one or two quartering away, but they were still they were still we'll lung heart shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was it was good. So they that one I shot that one 12 to 15 meters and they took about three steps and just went down. Yeah. The, the the other difference between them and deer, and I'll compare to whitetail, for example, is when they're hit well, they have a tendency to pack up pretty quick. Yeah. They typically don't go very far. Now that being said, I remember you know shooting a nanny really well, and she went full steam at probably about 100, 120 meters, but she was stone dead. But by and large, when you hit a goat well, you know it's not ex- it's not surprising for them to go between 10 and 15. Meters. Nothing like a speed goat. No, no, nothing like a pronghorn or. African animals that, that, you know, on reflex, they go a half a kilometer, right? On pure kind of... They run dead. They run dead, basically. So yeah. that, that's good to hear. That's a, You know you've got a good shot when they don't go yeah. very far. So basically all of them just kind of dropped. And so that one dropped, and then another one, the ones that were kind of behind it took off a little bit. And um, But I, I, on purpose, took the mm. fourth one back. Mm. And, but the ones at front didn't run. Mm. So I shot another one. Mm. So I took two of them right there back to back nice. um that one didn't even take a step just dropped and uh so i was feeling pretty good i'm like oh two on the board and but then they just kept coming in 
I'm like, and that's lovely. Like, and again, I don't know if there's any experience for our American friends listening. Um, where you get that? I'm not. I'm not sure what American yeah, you can't, species. You can't really keep shooting unless you've got more tags. Well, no, but I'm just talking about about that many animals. When you've got, you know, mobs of a couple hundred goats, and, and they're they're typically following one trail. Yeah. You'll shoot one, even if the rest of that mob runs off. It's not long, typically, before another mob comes into roughly the same spot, and then you can, yeah. you know. Whereas I, I just don't know that you get any of that. Uh, maybe I've seen elk that are bound up like yeah. that before, but not during season. Yeah, and, and again, I think if you shot an elk. And a bunch ran off. The others were like, hey, what's going on here? Where's that? I think the goats... And that's what makes goats a really good introductory bow. But I think that's also here. another thing that makes a, for a good hunter. Because... And I don't, it, it doesn't really matter what you shoot. I think if you shoot... Because a lot of guys, when they shoot, they hit it and they're just like... Woo! Yeah. And they start getting shouting and... Woo! I did yeah. this! Woo! Or they start shaking or something like that. And I think the, the testament to a really experienced hunter is once you shoot, you stay real still. That, man, I was taught that from day one. Because if you stay real still, who knows what comes in? You know, I've had I've had plenty of times where I've shot uh, two white-tailed does mm-hmm. at the same time. Because you had two tags. Because and... I had two tags and I yep. stayed still and I didn't move and they they kind of do a little stomp, 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 and they kind of run over a little bit because they're not sure what's going on and they know there's some danger but they don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. And then just happen to take the wrong steps in my That's direction it. and there you go down number two. I mean that's only happened a couple of times. But again, I, I would I would challenge any American hunter to tell me about the time he saw a couple hundred whitetails all in one spot that were walking through his hunting area. Yeah, walking down that same trail. Yeah, I, I just it I, just it doesn't happen. It, and that's what I'm saying. It's such a unique experience. I, I kind of wish all American hunters who had the chance to come to Australia would come just to experience that because there's nothing quite like it. Because maybe javelina actually maybe there's because I've heard of guys who hunt javelina. And, and they hunt it in the scrub, and they'll come up on a, on a mob, and they'll, you know. But it's not a mob of a thousand. No, it's, it's half a dozen a, or It's a ton dozen. of mobs that just happen to be going the same direction yeah. to the same place. Yeah. And they seem to do it at the same time of day. Yeah. yeah. So that it seems like there's just kind of like constantly coming through. So I shot those first two, and then I started kind of heading over. I'm like, I shot two. My buddy hasn't shot one yet. I'm going to head over so he can, you know, Take help, help him get one. Um, and... I was standing kind of behind him by that boulder again, kind of heading over toward him. And he's watching these other ones come in, and there's still goats coming through. And so there's one coming through, and this one was, oh, maybe 18 meters. It was my farthest one, I think. And he was kind of coming through. And so I turn, and my buddy's just sitting up ahead of me waiting for these other goats to come in. Come to full draw, settled my pin and released, and boom, straight through. Uh, That one ran about 10 steps and fell. Mm. And the crazy thing was, they were piling up in the same spot. It was like they all ran and died in the same spot. So they were, yeah. like, all, all my goats were 10 meters of each other. That's incredible. Because they just kind of ran to the same place before yeah, they dropped. Weird, it? It, was, it was nice. <laughs> yeah, very convenient. <laughs> very convenient, yes. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I took that one, and um, the other ones came up, and he was getting ready to come draw. So I stood real still, and then they decided to just turn directions. Mm. So they turned and kind of went up the hill a bit and then kind of went over. And I said... Man, I think I think you still need to get further over. You see, we're still pretty close to that boulder. I said, I think we need to get further over, man. I said, why don't you go off? We got a little break here. Why don't you go over to the far black scrub bush there? And because um, then you're in the middle of it, mm-hmm. and then you can even get the ones that are up on the hill. You've got shots at everything pretty much. Get up there and get get it done. 
And so he's like, yeah, cool. So he kind of shoots over there, and he's getting in the scrub, and I'm standing there kind of waiting. And I'm kind of watching the goats coming in from different directions. I'm like, oh, good, he's got some coming that way. Good, good, good. And so I'm watching him, and there's a couple of these meat goats. And when we say meat goats, we mean two- to three-year-old goats. Mm-hmm. Usually nannies. Usually nannies. Um, but, I mean, a, a young enough Billy's fine. Yeah. Um, but two- to three-year-olds, we're not looking for giant ones because uh, we're looking to fill the freezer, and quite frankly, they don't taste very nice. Yeah, yeah so we're going to the two- to three-year-olds goats. And so we're standing there, and he's got these two meters, and they stop. And they're up there kind of walking around. And I'm waiting for him to come to full draw. And I can see him, but I'm not in his position. I can't see what he sees. Yeah. And so I'm standing there, and I'm looking at him in his position, and he's not drawing. And then all of a sudden, they're kind of looking off to the side, and they're looking like they're going to go up the hill. I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. So I step out from behind this tree and make sure they see my movement. And I've literally got my bow in my bow hand. I got my cam leaning on my hip. I got my fist on the other hip. And just kind of standing there like, hey, look at me. And um, it worked. They stopped and looked at me. But he still wasn't coming to full draw. I'm mm. like, what's wrong? What's going on? And, I, and he's already taken two goats earlier in the day. So it's, it's not like he's afraid of, to shoot these goats. I'm like, there's something going on here, and I'm not sure what it is. And then he turns around and looks at me. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what's going on? He just didn't see him. And then all of a sudden, we, we've all got two Ray radios on. And all of a sudden, I hear him whispering over my radio going, they're right behind you. They're right behind you. Mm. So I've got the 2A on my chest. I reach up to grab it. I'm about to say something back because I'm not sure what he said because he's whispering. And then it clicked. He said they're right behind you. Mm. And so I didn't even look. I just brought my, I, I brought my release hand up, put it on the D-loop, slowly turned into full draw. Mm. I figured I can always let it down. Mm. Turned to full draw, and there's a goat three meters behind me i had to use my 60 pin <laughs> he was that close Swacker. i had to use my 60 pin nice. and so just reach back release boom and that was that was a crazy shot because there was a boulder probably about two feet tall so just just less than a meter just less mm. than a yard tall and it was probably less than a foot on the other side of the goat oh man that arrow was gone oh yeah, the arrow's obliterated yeah obliterated but the crazy thing about that was and, you know, we went up that day. I'd been filming the whole trip. Mm. And I said, you know what? This filming's slowing me down. <laughs> I left the GoPro. I, I, I didn't yeah. even take the GoPro. GoPro is sitting on my cot back at camp, yeah, yeah. right? And if I would have gotten every single one of these shots, would have been amazing footage. Yeah, that's it. But it wasn't there. Yeah. Because I didn't have anything with me. But the I wish I would have got the GoPro on for that because it went through. It hit this boulder, Mm. and it sparked. Wow. And when I say it sparked, I mean a perfect shower of sparks in a full circle around the goat. The sun was setting, so it was like it was starting to get dark. It was vivid. It was amazing. And I'm like, man, I should have, like, if I had this on video, I could have put that on. I could have put it in my my software, and I could have put it in slow motion, as these sparks are going and played some like 80s porn music or something in the wow. background. It's going, ding, 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 ding. Wow. You know? Nice. There's and it would have been that. crazy. Yeah. It would have been just crazy. And that one was more spook than all the other ones because it hit the rock and made this giant noise right next to it. So it went farther than any of the rest. Yeah. And, and it turned around and looked at me and then it just dropped. 
And then a couple other goats are standing there like, what's going on? They hear this noise, they kind of run off, and then trot back, and then they they look. And these particular ones came back, and they're like, what's wrong with you, mate? You know, to the dead one. And I'm like, this is what's wrong. You know, let let loose of another one. And that one was standing kind of on the edge of this cliff. And I was like, oh, cool, super clean shot, maybe 13 meters. Nice. Come back, full draw, release. And at the other side of that cliff, another one had walked up and over as I released. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it come, it went through, all the way through that one and went through the other one. And we've mentioned in the previous podcast that they were both like double lung heart shots. That's speak. lovely. I mean, were, I mean that's, that's just incredible. You know, you couldn't replicate that in a minute. Couldn't replicate half the things that happened, that yeah. thing, that, that particular trip. And I'm like, and we're, and we both had GoPros at camp mm-hmm. and we both left them at I mean, camp. That's, that, that's the And I'm like, man. oh man, Oh man! The same the same applies when you go when you do go trophy hunting and you forget your camera, right? So so you know particularly pig hunting you figure ah I'll just I'll go knock over some pigs I'll probably just take a couple sass and then you know you get the pig with the thirty six point tusks and you think oh man <laughs> I'm not going to drive an hour and a half back to camp to get my camera so same deal right mm-hmm. same like you left all the gear the video gear and that would have been a fantastic set of videos I, I imagine you know with the sparks with the good shots, the hunting on the hill, the fact that they come so close to me, because again, I don't think people who don't hunt go get that. There's nothing quite like seeing that. You shoot an animal, it runs off, it's dead. You think, okay, well, I'm happy with that. I'm going to take my meat. I'm going to take whatever. I'm going to chill out. And then all of a sudden you stop. And then you see like a dozen goats come out of nowhere. Yeah. Because you haven't made a noise. Or if you did, they, they're more inquisitive than afraid. And then like what you would have seen, you know, like, oh, wait a minute, Fred's dead. Let me go sniff Fred instead of, Oh wait a minute! Fred's dead. I'm out of here, right? Like other animals would be. Right. So it's it's it sounds like it was a good experience. It sounds like you. Uh, it was great. You, you had a fantastic hunt. There's nothing like it. It was a great experience, and um, listeners don't know that I just had major spinal surgery in uh-huh. in February. Yeah, that's right. And so my good buddy that happened to be hunting with me, he he carried every single one of them down. Nice. With a pack on. See, that's what I do with the hired help. I like it. I mean, don't get me wrong. My buddy is highly fit. Yes. Highly fit, six foot five, big guy. I carried his bow down, which weighs twice as much as mine. Yeah. Because he's just that big of a guy. Yeah. And I'm like, man, my arms hurt from carrying your bow. <laughs> and I broke a heel on the way down. I yeah, yeah. Tore my dress. <laughs> yeah, well, that was it. So we, um, he, he carried all that down, and then we went down, obviously dropped our stuff, went back up and got the rest of it. Nice. Um, yeah, it was... It was amazing. Like he, because we we did the, we took the legs down first. Oh yeah. That's just the easy way to go. And we did you do front legs as well as back? Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of guys that don't take front legs. Yeah, a lot of guys don't take front legs, but I back mean, straps and back legs. I do. Are the most I important. do mints too. So yeah. I don't care where it comes from. I cut the meat off between yeah. the ribs. Yeah. You know, I take I take the whole thing. Nice. But um, yeah, because it all it all mints as well. That's it. That's it. Oh, that's great, man. That sounds like an exciting experience. Which reminds me, I've got some. Sausage to okay. take, for you to take home. Nice, excellent. Some breakfast um, patty sausage. Nice, nice. Well, um, no, it sounds challenging. I guess the question, the couple of questions I have for you is, how big were the ear tags? <laughs> and did you did you hear any of the bells that on the neck jingling? Well, you know, I am a trophy hunter, so I brought those those yeah, brass I the ear bells tags home, <laughs> yeah, and right. I mounted them with the ear tags because it increases right. increases the value the of the trophy. trophy. That's right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm hanging them when I when I mount the heads and when I mount them with the ear tags and the bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, then I was like, oh, I just shot six, mm. and I'm like, ooh. See, I just don't know that there's a comparable experience in the U.S. I don't think there is, and I think for me, there was one, there was one thought I had after shooting, that I questioned myself, and I didn't question that I'd shot six of them, because I'm like, oh, six mm. that will effectively free fill a couple of. A couple of uh, drawers in the freezer. Mm. I'm fine with that. But the more the thing I started thinking again was, oh, I took six. Do I have enough cooler space for six? Mm. Mm. But then I'm like, oh, it's not a big deal because when I elk hunt, I don't carry out bones if I don't have to either. Mm. You know, I'll debone it in the field. Oh, did you debone the coat? Well, you... we weren't that far from camp. Oh, okay, yeah. So. But I was like, well, if, if it's a thing, I'll debone the goat and put it in the cooler. We'll have enough room that way. Right. Right. So I was worried about that, but I'm like, oh, how many should I be taking? Cause it was my first. It was my first Australian hunt where I had an opportunity to take a multiple multitude of animals mm. in one go. Yeah, and yeah. so I was like, "Oh." And, and as an American, I think it's weird. Because and I think that's it because you, you I'm just, like, "Oh, I'm I'm not." Used it to seems taking, like a lot. It seems excessive. Yeah, I'm not used to taking more than one at a time. Okay. Right. So and it was it yeah. was interesting. Have you ever dreamed of hunting in Africa, but you thought it was just out beyond your reach? Red Sand Safaris is situated in the heart of the Bushveld in the Lampopo province of South Africa. With plentiful hunting opportunities in the African bush, along with its diverse bird life and natural beauty, Red Sands is a must for any adventurous hunter. Red Sands boasts a wide range of game, from the smallest and tiny of Steenbach to the mighty and dangerous Cape Buffalo. At Red Sand Safari, they don't only cater for rifle shooters, but they also cater for the bow hunter. So no matter what kind of hunting you're into, they've got you covered. All you need is a spirit of adventure and good aim. Welcome to Red Sand Safaris, where professional hunter and outfitter Neil Becker will work with you on a personal level, one-on-one, -on -one, to make sure that you have the exact hunt that you are looking for. If you're keen on getting this Africa dream going, contact us directly at contact.rssafaris all one word at gmail.com and remember to leave us the country that you're living in so that we can get you out the correct brochure and price list is it time to make some dreams happen i think it is i'll be out there next year will you well if we do a cape york hunt it's going to challenge you twice because there are times when you can take multiple pigs in an afternoon right and you're not taking any of the meat yeah and i don't know you know, and believe me, I, I've had enough conversations with people up there about, are you sure we can't take this meat? Because you, know, you kill a 100-kilo pig. That's 220-pound pig. That's basically the weight of a big person, yeah. right? And That's it's a lot all muscle, and it's a lot of meat. And, mate, everybody up there says the same thing. Mate, the parasites and the diseases that are in this meat, you just don't know. And when the chillers aren't taking the... The, the pigs when they get pig dogged and all that stuff you just gotta think would yeah. I, 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 I'm conflicted but I'm not conflicted enough to risk getting sick you know I just couldn't do it and I'm sure if you cook it long enough you know you, you could cook out any disease but I just man but anyway when you go up for your, for your first Cape York hunt you, you're gonna be about day two or three here's my argument about hunting in Cape York mm -hmm. I want to go mm -hmm. I want to go with you mm -hmm. And I want to go with your other American elderly friend. Yes. Yeah. Which I'm 
Have you had him listen to the podcast yet? Mm-hmm. Maybe you should say, hey, listen to the podcast. Yes. Anyway, but I'm keen to go up. I'm keen to, to meet to meet your, your outfitter friend Mick up there. Yeah. Because, you know, we've had so many conversations, I really want to meet him. Yeah. You know, because I reckon we get along pretty well. But um, the issue I have is I don't I don't mind, you know, nuisance shooting. Mm-hmm. I don't mind getting rid of things because they're a problem. Mm-hmm. However, we can't eat it. And I'm not 100% against the idea that you can't eat it because if it needs to be taken down because mm-hmm. diseases and killing things, whatever, that's, that's one thing. I think my problem is the amount of money you got to pay to do it mm. and not get anything out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that bothers me. Uh, 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 yeah, we've had the conversation in, in great outfitter, yeah. great properties, you know, tons of game. However, it's also one of the most expensive pig hunts in Australia. Probably. That I've heard. The well... You know, if you talk to Mick, and we'll have uh, we'll have him on the show. No, I know it's a ten day hunt, which makes a huge yeah, difference. Yeah, and that and that's the big thing. You look at the price tag, you think, hey, wait a minute. But when you break it down by days, it, it's actually a good value. And in the in in the, the but I guess in my mind, it's it's more like target shooting with a ten day camping trip because you're not taking anything home. Ah, uh, no, I I wouldn't agree with that assessment. I think it is a volume hunt, not a meat hunt. And that's the way you got to think about it. And it's not really a trophy hunt. It, it is in the sense that there gets a little bit of rivalry among the hunters in camp about who, you know, who got a bigger, bigger set of tusks. But the thing is, you bring hunting, your tusks home at least. Yeah, yeah. So is that Absolutely. about it? Yeah, that's it. Or it's a skull, if you want. Like I mean, you can bring trophies home. It, it's kind of a volume trophy hunt in the sense that you, a lot of guys will bring their tusks home, so they boil them out. Or they'll take the jaw, they'll take the grinders, they'll do, they'll make kind of that effort to take that trophy out. It's not trophy hunting in the sense that if I want to hunt a deer, say a red deer, and I say, okay, you know what? I knocked over a spiker last year and I really want to take home a, a 10 or 11 or 12 pointer. And I go out and I'll hunt a property and I won't shoot a deer until I see the deer that I want. Because you can look at a deer and see physically that it's, it's the deer you want. As opposed to pigs. Where you're shooting anyone you see? You pretty much shoot everything you see because you want to clean it out. And it's almost like um, a fortune cookie, right? So basically... You, you, you crack it up. Or no, no. What was it? The, um, the so poppers you're at paying, Christmas. You're paying to eradicate someone else's problem. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of them paying you to eradicate their problem, you're paying them to But think about it this problem. way. We're not a particularly efficient way for the farmer to get pigs eradicated. And we're on his land driving around his place with the outfitter's fuel, the outfitter's vehicle, the outfitter provides food and drinks. And, and usually he picks you up at the airport. Too, he, he picks you up at the airport. So if you break it down, it works out to about 300 bucks. And I didn't get that because I'm assuming you fly for there, for Cape York, you fly in the cans, right? Cans usually. usually that, which is still a heck of a drive from Cape York. It's about eight, eight hours. So uh, six to eight hours, depending on the property. So when you figure, I mean, how much would that cost you in a taxi? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the way I think I'm about it is it's not that far. It's just the the state of the roads. Is it's that... a bit, a bit above. It, it, it's if it was good highways, it'd probably be a four hour trip. It turns out to be six to eight, depending because you get dirt roads and it goes off off road a bit. Yeah. The, the the way I look at it, it's about three hundred bucks a day, plus or minus. And at first, people say. Oh, shit, that's outrageous. I've had guys that kind of, why would you pay that money? Well, think about going on any other holiday, right? If you break down, if you go to a resort with your missus and your family, right? Let's just say for a week, right? To spend 300 bucks a day for, for food and accommodation and activities, right? And fun. 
that's not uncommon at all on a big holiday. With right? the whole family. With yeah. the whole family. Now, they say, oh, well, that's four people instead of one. But if I think about it, it's his vehicle that's getting beaten up. He knows the problem. What I look at it is... Well, I mean, you're looking at... You're, paying you're looking at hundreds of, of dollars in petrol alone. I, without even thinking about it. And that's just for the airport transfer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, think, think about it. For us who live in some of the southern states, right? You're even in Sydney. You're talking a couple of days of getting up there just to get to the property. So that's, let's call it four days return. You haven't even hunted yet. You haven't gotten out the car yet. Then you've got to spend your time driving around a property, understanding where the, where the pigs are, where the game is, understanding the property. Whereas Mick or a guide, if they're any good, knows that property intimately, can take you directly to where they're likely to be. Knows where they're likely to be and can help you become a better hunter if they're the right kind of guide, right? So my view is it's actually a reasonably cost-effective exercise. Now, if you were saying to me, hey, I'm going to pay that kind of money to go goat hunting in, say, Flinders, I'd say, "Eh, probably not. I could probably manage that on my own and I could save a lot of money. Or probably in the southeast of certain states where there's lots of deer, I could probably swing that myself. But up in that part of the country where you've got big chunks of land, big property, I think guides are the are, are a good way to go. Um, I know that some guides have like self-guided operations where you know pay a hundred bucks a day and then you and your mates can go and you get to hunt a part of the property. To me, you still got to bring all your gear. Yeah. You got to bring every all your you know all your food, all that stuff. By the time you're dicking around, but done dicking around, you, you've actually paid a lot of money, yeah. or you just haven't had the experience. You know what I love about going to to Mick is we go, he picks us up, we bring our our hunting gear. He's got everything else for us. We focus ten days of hunting, and then he drops us off. Now, now I admit that if you don't have a lot of disposable income, right, it, it it's easier to kind of call a farmer up up there and say, hey, can I try to, you know, drive around your property for a while and I don't pay anything. But I don't know that you're going to get much out of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you could if you've got a good map and, you, and you're good with directions. I'm not. Well, I know a good a good hunting camp is a big deal. Mm. And I mm. know from me, you said he's got a really good hunting yeah, camp. Yeah, yeah, it's right on a river. You, you've got a place to shoot the bows, to sight them in. You know, it's got a good view. It's covered, you know, from the sun on the one, well, on the one property. The other property that he used to hunt, I don't know if he's got access to it anymore. It was Shearer's Quarters. So that was, that's lovely. Basically a small house. A small house. Fantastic, right? And um, I think one of them had air conditioning, believe it or not, which is worth its weight in gold up there. Um, yeah. But again, I, I, I think... Um, I guess for me, the argument that I have about that is... We, we know that I'm a meat hunter, not necessarily a trophy hunter, but I'm, I'm looking to, possibly even with you, going to Africa next yeah. year. Now, three That's all trophy hunting for us. Right. You can't bring any meat home. But at least we can eat some while we're there. You can there. eat some of the meat, yeah. You yes, can eat you some can. while you're there, and it's not, it's not going to waste. Someone is eating that meat. Yeah, yeah. You know? the, usually the locals, but yeah. Which we'll talk about that, because we're going to have Neil Becker from Red Sand Safaris uh, on the Our podcast show. here yeah. pretty yeah. soon. That'll be interesting um, to talk to him about. A couple other guys who came home from a hunt with him very recently, like in the last two weeks. Mm. Um, and the things that they're talking about, and they're going to go very specifically into really what happens with mm. that meat, you know, where that goes, and mm. and about the guys who are, you know, working there. Yeah. And, and you know, that, you that's know, a huge source of income for that. Huge whole source of income there. for them. And, you know, they get food and pay some of the, some of their payments food. And I guess With my Kate thing York is gets. you can do a hunt in Africa 
for about the same amount of money. Probably. Now, granted, right. that doesn't include trophy fees and shipping and flights. Well, and also airfare and time. But airfare so, doesn't include it in this one either. Yeah, but airfare, airfare up to Cape York, well, to Cairns and drive up is a few hundred bucks, depending on what airline you fly and how right, far right. you book in advance. You know, you're looking at probably between, well, last time I checked, you're looking at a couple of grand, at least for South Africa. So, again, that adds the cost to it. But I think you're right. If you look at it pure dollar for dollar on the hunting, much, much better deal in South Africa. You get much better much better variety of game. Um, you get absolute luxury compared to what you get in Cape York, right? right. You get your, your clothes cleaned. You get serviced. Yeah, you get, no, like, mate, to get everything, right? And, and because they've got relatively cheap labor there, they, you know, they can afford to hire hands that'll help and guys that'll do all the skinning for you and they'll do the caping out and they'll do the tracking and they'll do all that stuff so yeah by far you can get so if you look at mix hunt but again and that's even more days but if you look at a typical hunt that's about five or six days in cape york the last time i checked you're looking about three grand you won't get much change out of three and if you take that comparable hunt in south africa you're probably looking in total about three grand but that doesn't include um, again, elements of the hunt that you you know you, that get added on. So in, in my mind, they're competitive, but they also are a different proposition. I also don't think you can kill as many animals in South Africa, and I don't think it's as adventurous in a way. Right. There's nothing quite like walking through a Cape York swamp after pigs, just at dusk, and you know there's a swamp coming in. There's a couple of big swamps that were in this one property, and we were able to walk around kind of at dusk or at dawn. Right, when they're out and about and you're thinking, okay, how many are we going to see today and how many can we knock over? And, you know, what are you going to stumble onto and turn the corner? Whereas Africa, it's okay. I've got a package of, say, four or five animals. And what am I going to, I'm going to sit in my blind and what's going to come in today? Right. And I just don't think it's the same proposition. Now, the animals that come in are magnificent. You know, again, I think you got one of the guys that shot in Eland. There's nothing quite like seeing an eland walking in. They're big, beautiful animals. Nothing quite like a kudu that's got amazing spiral horns and a regal kind of red deer quality about it as opposed to, you know, grubby 80-kilo pig that's snorting and carrying on and yeah. fighting and screwing and doing everything, you know. But there's nothing quite like walking into a mob of 40 pigs and spotting stalking it. And you don't get that in Africa. Yeah. And, and I've knocked up my kind of records, if you will, was knocking over four animals in a, in a mob of pigs. And it was an amazing experience. I stalked in and shot one. He was kind of the furthest away, in a way. Stood up, flopped over. Couldn't believe it. Other pigs kind of, what was that noise? And they kept coming in to me because they didn't, they couldn't see where I was and shot f three more. I don't think you'll ever get that in Africa. No. Right? So they're different hunting experiences, but I think for a few grand, you can get a good deal in Africa. You really, really can. Yeah. Probably the best in the world. I Maybe parts, because uh, even America, I don't think for a few grand, I don't think you'll get, I don't know anywhere other than those Texas kind of exotic ranches where you can get a ton of species in one location. I don't know of any spot where you can really get a good variety like you can in South Africa. I, I, I could be wrong there, but I mean, you'd know the scene better than I would. Europe, not really. South America, you know, parts of Argentina and Chile, I think you can, or certainly Argentina, you can hunt, but... You know, speaking of that, when you said Europe, I've added Eastern Europe to my bucket list. Yeah. A lot of good, a lot of good hunting there. There are some big bears and big boars there. Yeah, huge, huge, huge. 
I don't know what deers that. I, th- I want to say they got red deer there, but don't yeah. quote me. I, I think they've got stags and maybe a couple other varieties. Yeah. And they've got like I know in France, you know, well, France too. has a decent bow hunting scene, which yeah, you wouldn't yeah. have thought. I'm right? actually a member of a couple of. Fr- I mean, I can't. I'm not in the same language, but I get. To, I'm in the, a member of a couple of groups. Okay. Uh, French French bow hunters and and they're yeah yeah, but they've got kind of weird. They've got a weird little oh not a roe deer, but some some mont jack. Anyway, but they've got some really weird kind of species and i think they'd have boar there but don't quote they've me they've got some kind of sheep spain has a good bow hunting scene yeah yeah where they were ibex and some of those other they've mountain sheep and that kind of stuff but again so if i was an australian or an american saying hey i want to hunt overseas and i want to get bang for my buck i think cape york or south africa depending on what you want and what kind of experience you want they're, they're much of muchness both the, other, the other one that's good value for money is New Zealand. Yeah. Now, that being said, a New Zealand self New Zealand guided hunts are very expensive. And that's the thing, getting access is the problem there too. Yeah. Unless you know somebody, and if you do, you're Except laughing. that New Zealand has a ton of public land that can be hunted yes. on, and they encourage yeah. it in that country. Yeah. So They treat it like game, not a pest animal. Yeah. Exactly. That's one of their main sources of income. So... I think so. Uh, yeah, and they can, and I think you've got Dollar better wise. land and all. Yeah, and, and and you've got better quality of land for for those kind of species. Whereas here, it's and there's no predators there. No. So there's nothing to kill them. Other than well, there's nothing really here. Dingoes kind of have a crack, but nothing. But it's just not as you know, it, it's just not as arable good land for deer, yeah. particularly deer species. Well, un- unlike here, nothing's trying to kill you there. <laughs> yeah. You are at the top of the food chain if you hunt New Zealand. Yeah, I don't. What I, what would be here that wouldn't? I don't think anything. Well, I mean, you, like you don't you don't have the poison spiders there. Here. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you yeah. don't have you don't have yeah, yeah sorry. You don't have two step snakes, which but, means they bite you. Then two, two steps. Steps. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. There's You're a right. lot of things that can kill you here yeah. that, that they yeah. just don't have. No, anything. it's a more pleasant hunt. I, I, my 80 year old buddy who hunts, he hunts New Zealand every year. He does fishing and hunting there, and he said it's a it's a it's a much kind of it's more hilly, but it's just a more relaxed kind of hunt. Yeah. In a lot of ways, in, in in New Zealand, but that's but he's only hunting goats, so he's not hunting deer. I'm sure deer. He goes to New Zealand to hunt goats. No, he goes to New Zealand to fish, but while he's there, he he gets some goats in. Does some goats work? Yeah, because yeah, you can hunt pigs there, but they do a lot of dog stuff. So he must be doing North Island. Yes, up uh, upper. I'm north. pretty sure. So North. Uh, I I don't know the geography. Yeah, go, goats that. mostly northern North Ooh. Island, and there's some good fishing there. Yeah, he's a mad keen fisherman, and and so he's fished all over the world. So he goes every year. What's he going for? Is he going for trout? trout or? Yeah, trout. That's his Which is interesting to me because those are all American trout. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah there would be. So the, the rainbows and the browns that they have there, also the ones that we have here, are, are they're all ports, American, yeah. American species ports. of trout that were planted yeah. hundreds of plus years ago. Yeah. yeah, he's, I mean, he's, you know, again, I've never gotten into it, and he's kind of one of those guys that he ties his own flies, and he's been doing it for a million years, and he's caught shark on flies. I mean, he's done all kinds of crazy shit. And, That's one of those um, things that I've, I've done a fair bit of fly fishing, but I've never tied my own. I've never gotten that much into it. Oh, man, he's psycho about it. I like live bait. Yeah. But you know what I like? Guy. A hook, a sinker, and fall asleep, go back an hour later. Roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've just never gotten to fishing. I've always been horrible at it, but neither here nor there. So getting back to, I guess, the, the hunting scene up in Cape York and getting back to your American ethics, I think you'll struggle. But hopefully the experience will offset that. You know, after you've had your seventh day... Of, of, of stalking pigs. You'll kind of get the mindset. I think that's just one of those things that I'm going to struggle with, but 
we're good enough friends, I'll take your word for it, and I'll go with you. Yeah. We'll go, and we'll do it, and I'll make my decision at the end. Yeah. You know? Well, because Ian, a friend of ours, guy that we know from our club, he went out with Mick, didn't like Mick. They had a personality kind of rub. I have one of those personalities. I, yeah. I rub. I either like you or I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, he, it wasn't so much that. It was just, they're both kind of personalities, and I think they kind of clashed. But um, I don't think Ian particularly liked it the first time he went. So he walked away from there, and it wasn't that good. Now, he had a pretty rough experience. It was um, Didn't like it after he went. Um, and it was hot. He got sick. I think he, actually some of the heat kind of got to him. So that that kind of spoiled that experience. So I'd be worried about that because I don't do well in heat either. Well, then, you, yeah. You, if Depending on what time of year you go, if you go too late, it gets humid. But if you go in the dry, it's nice. It's warm. And, and it's warm weather hunting. But, Define warm weather. What kind of temperatures are we looking at? Um... I'd probably go... What is it Celsius? And I'll, I'll do the conversion. Uh, it, it goes anywhere from... During the day, it's between 26 and 32. But it's a fairly dry heat. That's not bad. That's during the dry. What happens toward the later end of the season, so if you're there in late October, which I've been there in late October, um, it gets a lot more humid. So you're looking at... So we're looking between 85 and 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah. Which, in it's high warm. humidity, that's horrible. Oh, it's awful. In dry heat, that's not bad. It's, it's better. But I even mean, then, here that's it, that's it, that's a that's a nice spring day and in, in where we are. At. Yeah, but um, but it's a different yeah it's when different it's dry. Yeah, yeah. And and when you go up there, it's also because you're doing a lot of walking, so you're trying not to do as much activity. And you think, oh, it's just it's just ninety degrees. That's kind of nice beach weather. But at a beach, what are you doing? You're lying. Or you're in the water. There you're not walking three kilometers, no. and you're not trying to hunt. Yeah, so so it, it takes the heat out. You're of You're not watching out for things that are going to kill you. Well, there's the other thing, and that's the other element that I love about the hunt up there. I've I've had issues with crocs. I've had you know I've seen snakes up there. I've you know you you I've had pigs charge. I've done all of that stuff, and there's something exhilarating about it. Much more adventurous than a lot of other hunts. So anyway, we'll talk. We can talk more about that. Ten day. Yeah. So you've got a range between five to ten. I think that the problem with a ten day hunt is it can get long, particularly if you're an office worker like me. Um, and what I, one a friend of mine who I, who went up with us one year said, "Man, this is it knocks the crap out of you." Um, and if you're carrying a few extra pounds, it doesn't help. But it, there's, there's nothing quite like it. There really is. It's an experience. Again, it, it's about how do you. How do you fund it? And how you know you you got to think, man. I'm parting with some cash, but I think it's worth it. It's like any decent holiday. You know, I don't know too many holidays that you don't fork out some dough for. And and for two weeks away, you know, that's that's a lot of fun, right? Yeah. A lot of fun. So, uh, you know, again, without being a, a promotion for you know the Cape York Hunting Tourist Board, right? <laughs> um, I, I think it's definitely something that every Australian should have a crack at. Um, I've got I know a few that won't go. Um, because they want to hunt deer, they want to do this, but I think you're shortchanging yourself if you don't, if you don't do it at least once in your hunting career. Yeah, well, that's 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 for me. I'll probably go just the once with you and see how I go. But for the most part, I like the deer. Mm. And we've got a deer coming up soon, which reminds yeah, me, yeah, we, we need, we need to make that. some phone calls and yes. get things going. Yeah, that's right. We've got our fallow deer hunt coming up. Mm. Um, yeah, just really quickly, we just want to I want to touch base on, you know, some things that are up and coming in the podcast. Um, big thing that we're going to talk about in the future. We've got some really, really interesting guests coming coming on the show. We've got a, a, a pig dogger coming on in, in very near future that we're going to be interviewing um, to combat some of, some of Goody's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> some of 
statements about pig dogging. Um, and I'm looking forward to that, actually, because I think he gave me a little bit of a prelude the other day. Yeah. I'd love to hear his take on it. I, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. I think it'll be really good. Yeah, because I think we, um, I think we can hopefully take away from each other's view on it. Yeah. Right. Because I, 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 I'm keen to be challenged on it. I don't. I don't necessarily want to hold a negative view of it. I've just been. Again, I think in the, I said the last time. I, I respect it if you're going to be fit. If you're going to. If you're going to follow the ethics of your hunt, whether it's how you train your dogs, how you train yourself, how you control the dogs to make sure they're going off the right game and they're well behaved. But but there's just a lot of yahoos in that game. Yeah, and so it's going to be interesting to hear his take on it. Yeah, so we have him coming. We've got uh, at least one American huntress coming on. Mm-hmm. Um, I may we may have um, some Australian huntresses coming on as well, mm-hmm. including one that's also a taxidermist here. Mm, nice. So we've nice. got that kind of worked out. Um, and we've got Tom Selleck joining us from. <laughs> oh wait, no, that's not. He's not joining us. <laughs> yeah, live from Hawaii. Yeah, from Mister What's His Name's <laughs> Ferrari right or yeah, whatever. That's yeah, that's yeah. it. And then we've also, in the, in the fairly near future, we've got uh, Neil Becker coming on from um, Red Sands Safaris in yeah. South Africa, as well as Andrew Marlin and Josh Campbell coming on, who are uh, American hunters with Team I Hunt Fit, who will be coming on, who just returned from a South Africa hunt. We're going to talk about them and their experience. Mm. And so, yeah, we got a lot of stuff coming up soon for you guys. So please like, subscribe. Um, and share the podcast, man. Share the podcast around. The more the merrier, man. Get it out there. If there's anything that you want to hear about on this podcast, feel free to shoot us a message. Get on our Facebook page. Our Facebook page, which is Steve Owen Goody's Hunting Slash Comedy Podcast. Mm-hmm. We also have, are on iTunes. Um, but if you want to send us a message, anything you'd like to hear about, anything you want us to talk about, anything that you just think that we're full of crap about, you know, shoot Do us a message. Yeah. We want to hear it. Love we want to hear the good, the bad, the ugly. Yes, yes. You know, yes. which is Jake. He's the yeah, good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so shoot us a message at steveowengoody at gmail.com, which is S-T-E-V-O-E, and goody, G-O-O-D-Y, at gmail.com, all one word. Um, yeah, let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to hear. Cool. Give us the good, bad, the ugly. If you think we're jackasses, let us know. That's it. All right, guys. Have a good one. Until next time. Right. See you later, boys and girls.